Hey, hello, how are you? How are you? This is me again. Didn't change the presenter yet. You know, the 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 company, the director, the the board of directors didn't make that decision yet to change the face of the of the of the podcast of the company. Still here, still here, still battling for my space on this, still proving myself to the board, you know. Um, still, still making sure that I'm that I'm making that money, that I'm bringing those ears with my, you know, with my 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 maintaining my relevancy in the market, you know, maintaining my, you know. Maintaining the spirits high with my uh, my work here. So we're gonna we're gonna find out which album are we gonna speak about. Hopefully, something that gives me more um, more content, let's say, than the last one. Last one was a little bit of a weak one in terms of how much I knew about the record. It's pretty much not not very well versed in, in grime in and of itself and in his career as well his career in this case the guy named Stormzy okay so we are down to 300 albums I think that I'm not gonna be putting any other ones I think I, I did my, my, my update I put some Quite recently, and I'm pretty much pretty much listening to those uh, albums still, like the ones that I put here. Yeah, I cover I cover most of them. Yeah, uh, already. I have a I have an issue with yet and already. I mix them up quite quite often. It's annoying because they mean opposite things, right? So. Yeah, already means that it's already there, and yet means that it's not there yet. Nah. What can you do? What can you do? So 211, it's the number of the thing. Let's see what the f future holds for us. Oh, this is Boy Genius again. What the hell? So I put Boy Genius twice. And you got draft twice. Okay. Yeah, so a little bit of a. A bit of a mistake there. Mm. 204 now. 204, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. So keeping with the with the theme here a little bit. Yeah. Keeping with the with the episode that I did on the Them Crooked Crooked Vultures. Them Crooked Vultures, yeah. Which is kind of a sequel to this album, that particular project from uh, uh, Dave Grohl and John Paul Jones, and of course Josh Holm. It's kind of a the the of course they have the main element of the sound, which is Josh Holm's voice and Josh Holm's uh, style of composition and his lyricism and his vision of rock and roll which is a very heavy and dry but also 
humorous and 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 uh, poetic in 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 his humor as well. Uh, that became very apparent with uh, like Clockwork, which is my opinion the best Queens of the Stone Age record. And I, yeah, so this one here, many comprehend, comprehend? No, many understand this album as a, a masterpiece, as their best. It's truly their heaviest, that's for sure. Uh, it's where they are kicking, kicking the, 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 the fastest gear of their influence with punk and with hardcore and with metal. That's where those influences are the most recognizable and 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 up up front, right? Then the other ones, uh, I believe that being their third album, Raider R was a good a good certification of what they built with the first one. Uh, it became more Queens of the Stone Age like because the story is at the beginning there was this band called. Chaos, Chaos, uh, K Y U S S, right? So they they used to make like stoner rock, stoner desert desert metal, even you can call it. Uh, it it, it was a very dry and very um, reverb reverb based uh, and trembling based uh, sound. I'm not that well versed and familiar with it but you can imagine that what queens of the stone age came to do in the late 90s that was kind of the version of what josh holmes uh sound would be in the grunge era so it was pretty much the texican grunge i'm not sure if he's from texas i would probably guess that he's from the south usually those things and he's from like uh doesn't say let's see where he's from yeah he's from california <laughs> okay but from a desert region which is joshua tree right so he was born over there uh, the famous desert very very um western like location so it's it's a lot like texas in a way in terms of climate and in terms of um What's the scenery? So you can imagine that type of sound. It's the Mojave, Mojave Desert. So California is huge, right? So I believe that's more to the south of California. Yeah, that's totally to the south of California. So really nearby, almost going Mexico, right? So it's Los Angeles, but it, it, it's more to the middle between Arizona, Phoenix, and Los Angeles uh yeah in a desert so Im imagine that sound like what was in seattle which it's, it's it's kind of an urban paranoid and and kind of a depressive idea of rock and roll uh, grunge was nothing nothing more than than kind of the the um, the toning down of some punk motifs and some hardcore motifs that developed in the 80s uh, it, it it was really nothing to it more than that, I believe. Uh, what, what made the genre so interesting was the singer-songwriters and bands that came from it. Of course, you have your Pearl Jams and Soundgardens and Screaming Trees and uh, Nirvana's 
and and you know um, you can even count like things more out of the left field like helmet or uh, what is the other one stone what stone table pilots you have those you know ideas there basically hardcore metal punk bands there discover kind of a new more grainy and 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 the opposite or 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 the 80s would would bring right not necessarily in terms of what the hardcore from the 80s would bring because that was the main influence from them but those things always always uh travel within the decades there inside the decades so amongst the decades you know what i mean so what happened there was they made a transition to the late 90s. So the, the Queens of the Stone Age, the first album was pretty much what Josh Holm was making in the Desert Sessions. He has a bunch of records called Desert Sessions. And the first Queens of the Stone Age album, the one that people usually don't know very much, I particularly love that album. Uh, I was thinking about it like yesterday. I, 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 it's really interesting how those lists like those drawers they 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 sometimes have some serendipity towards them so you have ah it might not be chaos it might not be chaos oh they have a new album okay what is the desert sections i uh it, it might be another band from josh Holmes that, that i'm that i'm confusing with chaos chaos whatever sessions let me see what desert sessions is yeah oh well it's a it's called desert sessions yeah okay it became like a like a variety project i think i'm not sure what happened there yeah at least in spotify it's not very clear what's the scope of the project it seems to be a running project still uh yeah mondo generator wasn't 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 josh holmes I don't think so. No. Is the basis, yeah. So they all have different projects throughout the years and all that. It's a, it's a mess, really. But keep in mind, right? Keep in mind what we were talking about here. So it's, it's the approach to the rock and roll. As things were progressing, like with the beginning of the, the 2000s, Maybe Josh Holm uh, entered a new phase in his songwriting ability, so he became more uh, less like that. He reinvented himself a little bit. Uh, not a little bit, I think a lot, actually, because he, he was way more upfront as a frontman, you know? Because the, 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 the first Queens of Stone Age record, it, it really, things take a while to develop, right? It, it lingers a lot. It has a lot of those... Uh, riff trembling bass uh, motifs to the song to the songs so it, it does extends itself to to its detriment a little bit because uh, it is a more bloated record than comparing with the, with the stuff that they, they released afterwards it, it was a more bloated uh, album overall and then they released Radar R which was a stupendous success it's what uh nicotine value uh, marijuana you know it has that song is a pretty big hit from them uh which is called uh it, 
What's the name of that song? You gotta do it live, you know? If you do it live, you're gonna forget stuff. So, I think it's, uh, I think it's really, ah, no? It is really, ah? It is the title track? I don't think so. Ah, Feel Good Hit of the Summer. Yeah, Feel Good Hit of the Summer. So that's the nicotine value, vicodin, marijuana, ecstasy, and alcohol. That's the, pretty much the, the only lyrics that, that the song has, right? So he he went on a on a journey of those more uh, comical, more punk rock style. So he 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 started to go faster, right? He started to go more to the point of what he wanted to say with the song. Uh, leaving the the space for the hair banging and the riff and the and the type of stuff, but yeah, that's pretty much a difference between those two. If you grab like regular John, you know, which I think is the first first song from the first record, it's a way more you know riff driven and and you know it seems like a slow ride of a song. So that was one turning point between the two records, the first and the second. I'm speaking about the eponymous album, which you know it has a lady in the in the it has the, the the pubis area of a lady in the in the cover. The second one is the the yellow, not the yellow, the the blue cover. Rated R, which was it a lot actually, uh, and. The third one is the one with the with the devil team, the 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 with, with the logo already established, the logo that they will be using for for a while after that, especially the middle phase that that ends with Erufugaris and all that. So you you so you have that difference, and with uh, songs for the deaf, uh, that paradigm also shifted even more. But he incorporated more of a song, more of a storytelling aspect to the to the album. So you have a more cohesive written written art is already excellent and it's pretty cohesive in and of itself. But songs for the deaf became like a like a whole arc of of a stuff, right? So you, uh, I, I was saying that in the Sgt. Pepper. Uh, episode like an album it became the expectation in the industry that an album should have a trajectory it should have a overarching narrative right this this album here it, it does that to, to, to the most nth degree so it does literally feels like a like a road trip that you're taking with the guys and that was the theme that was you know that was on purpose so with this album here we have of course Josh Holm is the only one of the only like fixed members of the band. Uh, you have Nick Valeri as you know a bassist, a pretty big collaborator, especially with this phase here. But you you have to you have to understand Queens of the Stone Age as Josh Holm, right? So it's like Tame Impala is Kevin Parker, and you know you can you can trace those those parallels there. Uh, he is the vision of the of the of the project. So and then you have here uh, Nick Valeri. It's uh, with the bass and Dave Grohl is playing the drums. That's why the parallel with them Crooked Vultures appears, because 
not only Dave Grohl is a fantastic drama, he brings that extra degree of energy that the, the, the phase of the band was demanding so much. So you have the, 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 the more tuning, the more tuned in style of composition of the main composer of the, of the record. And you have that extra rhythm, uh, rhythm, uh, energy, rhythm, rhythmic, yeah, energy to the album and the, 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 the driving force of the thing being like a road trip. So it's a very straightforward, very punk rock. Oops, what's going on? Give me just one second. All right, so I got a little bit interrupted there with the with the phantom door ring. I don't understand what's what's the deal with that. Anyway, I think someone pressed by mistake because I'm not expecting anyone. And who rings the bell, you know, in 2022? 2022, yeah. So I think I, was, I think I was doing well, and that threw me off completely. Um. Yeah, so you have the parallel with them, Cooker Vultures, which I already established, uh, with Dave, Dave Grohl in the, in the drumming. Um, this wouldn't be happening again. Between Queen, Queen of the Stone Age was a very special uh, type of thing. I don't know why he decided to, to do this project. Maybe, you know, nine is buddies and uh, Dave Grohl being a drummer. Of course, he wants to drum in a serious way, and I think that Josh Holm is the best. A rock composer, uh, alive, uh, certainly Queen of the Stone Age. In my opinion, it's one of the one of one of the best, if not the best, rock band. It's still in uh, activity. So I, yeah, of course that you have Mark Lennigan from Mark from uh, Screaming Trees, recently deceased. Mark Lennigan, I think I mentioned that before. Um, so he sings a couple of songs, they tour together, uh, all of them tour together, of course, the four of them, uh, Josh Holm, Nick, Nick Valeri, and uh, the, the Dave Grohl, and, and um, Mark Lennigan. So pretty interesting to see the videos from that time with, uh, with, with, with them really young, really full of energy, you know, not that they are not uh, now, because they definitely are, but it was even more, right? It's a really classic, really... Pretty cool period of the band. Uh, so the narrative of it. So I, th I think I stopped more or less with that idea, right? The narrative aspect of the thing, I think, drives the the album forward in a way that's really unique. And I think he didn't attempt that in in any uh, any other of, of of the record. Maybe the next one. Maybe uh, maybe songs to paralyze, not songs to paralyze, lullabies to paralyze, right? Is the one that that makes it a, a little bit more sense within the the idea here. It was, it was similar in a way. Um, a lot of um, it's a more mellow record. No, it's uh, just to think about it. Yeah, uh, there is no other Queens of the Stone Age as heavy as. Uh, songs for the deaf is really an, an an outlier in that sense. You know, with the band that's usually very heavy, but sometimes it, it, it primes for the primes sometimes for the for the more poppy 
you know, instead of just going full on, uh, full on um, heavy. So, yeah. What else? What else you think about? I, I spoke about that album yesterday. Honestly, I did. I mentioned to someone, do you know Queens of the Stone <laughs> And it, it comes up in the thing. It's it's kind of, it's very weird. So you have, uh, yeah, Hanging Trees sing, uh, sang from uh, uh, Mark Lanigan. Mark Lanigan sang uh, that particular song. Um, of course, you have the heavy heaters here. No one knows and go with the flow. They do represent what the album stands for. Uh, first, thing, uh, I mean, it's 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 a it's a masterpiece from from top to finish. It's a great album, uh, and if you don't know it, you should have a listen to it. You know, I don't. I, 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 all of those things they kind of speak they speak from themselves, you know, in a way. I think that's more or less the background of it. Um, after that, because this particular one was such a defining moment in in the in the career, I think that they 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 kind of stuck with that sound a little bit, and but they went more of the mellow route as they progress and as they mature uh, as they i say he josh home right so as he would mature i don't know if he had kids in the way i don't know if he married i don't know what's their per personal idea but yeah and then it culminates in like clockwork which is i, I mean possibly the best rock and roll record from the last 20 years I can probably easily say that, in my opinion, it's it's a great fucking album. Uh, it's their best for sure, and you know it's just great. It's just like clockwork is good, but songs for the deaf. It's a it's a very close second. I just think more. I, I just like more of how the maturity from it um it it it, it makes it better. Because it doesn't have the excess in it, right? So it has reflections on just what death might mean and and what uh, you know. It's it's, but this is not about like clockwork. So let's just move it on. Uh, Songs for the Death is a very explosive and volatile album. It's always aiming for you know. It's like Mad Max Fury Road in a way, you know. You can you can establish. You could probably play them. You know, uh, it can probably be a soundtrack to that movie, like Wizard of Oz is to to the Dark Side of the Moon is to Wizard of Oz. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if you don't, it's a shame. Just Google Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon, then you know. Okay, young young person. All right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's the 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 comparison probably is very very apt because uh, they are both like very dry, very heavy and hungry demonic <laughs> album, but pieces of art, right? 
that they yeah, they are both both of them are cool as fuck, you know. So yeah, and they should be appreciated for what they are. Really, really like interesting building of of character in a way. I don't know the character that that they that they play in this album is really really interesting. One personal curiosity is that I saw this is I think this is the first time that I speak of someone I speak about someone that I actually seen it live. Yeah, I mean all the other ones obviously I wouldn't see it live. Uh Queen of Stone Age is, is one band that I saw in 2013. They were touring uh, one of those tours that they, it was actually Lollapalooza, right? It wasn't a tour per se. I mean, of course, that they do the tour for the festival, but it's not really attached to any album specifically. So they usually do that for, for like three weeks, right? People, bands usually do that for three weeks. Uh, and sometimes they are in the midst of, of, of mixing or mastering an album. And in this case, they, they were like clockwork. So the first time that they played uh, "My God Is the Sun," which became the single of the of the album, the f at least the first single it became. Uh, that was the f that was in São Paulo. That was in Brazil, and I I saw that it was actually with the the Mars Volta drama as well, the original the Lusden Comitorium um, Mars Volta drama, which played for a bunch of bands. One of those touring musicians, right? And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one curiosity there. One uh, interesting piece of you know character building in this podcast that I saw them live, and I remember it was it was a tumultuous, tumultuous night because I saw the Black Keys, I saw Alabama Shakes, and I saw uh, Tokyo Tokyo Cinema Door Club. I saw Toro and Moi. In a perfect circle as well. Perfect circle is the parallel project of two. It was a nice. It was a. It was a good year. It was a good year. Uh, that particular year. I went one just one day, right? There were other bands in other days, but I remember that I I got lost from the from the company that I that I had up until that point. And uh, yeah, we got lost right at the. I think so. I think Strokes played on that. On the particular edition, Burgen, yeah, Arcade Fire. Look at that. Uh, Pixies, Imagine Dragons. I didn't go this particular day. Now, what the hell? Yeah, so Burgen, the Black Keys, Dead Mouse, Queen of Stone Age, a Perfect Circle, Franz Ferdinand. I saw, I saw, yeah, I saw. Oh, Foles played. I really like Foles. I wish I, I wish I could see Foles at that occasion. Anyway, you, it's it's a good it's a good festival. It's a good festival. Oh yeah, I saw Brothers of Brazil as well, which is a shit, very shit band. Uh, anyway, okay, this is getting tired. I think for you as well, right? As it is for me. Oh, I found it. I found it. So I found like the day by day. Yeah, the other days was shit. Yeah, Flame Lips maybe. 
Family is playing the first day. Yeah, pretty much the only thing that I wanted to see. I remember my 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 date at the time. I was really looking forward to seeing the the killers. She did that the day day the day before. But Black Keys, Queens of Stone Age, Perfect Circle. Franz Ferdinand was way, way, way further from us. They were like really far away. They were opposite to the Black Keys uh, concert, right? So yeah, I saw Black Keys and I saw Queens of Stone Age. And then, yeah, nothing else. Nas, wow, Nas. I didn't remember seeing Nas at all. And the set, well, wait a minute. That's that's it. Yeah, and then play God is the Sun as the you probably can find the you probably can find the the, the video. My God is the Sun, Lola, Paloza Reckon you reckon that's it? I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's the that's the video. Yeah, yeah, I was here. I was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember really clearly. I remember really clearly, man. Fuck. And it's a fucking amazing song, huh? I was really far away, but anyway, it's just. I remember just looking at the drama and oh yeah, that's the Mars Volta guy. Yeah, 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 hell, hell yeah. Cool. I remember, yeah, there is a Brazilian flag with their logo in the middle, which the Brazilian flag has the the the, the, the blue circle. It is like the the ovarian with the spermatozoid like that, you know. And I remember very very clearly that that particular flag there. Anyway, that's it. That's it. It didn't have anything to do with the fucking album, man. That's who we are. That's who we are in this place. Remember very vividly, vividly, this album being from from my childhood. M most of the things that I liked, they are from like two thousand two, two thousand one. They are post, you know. They are post hoc analysis of you know what music was. Up until that point, in, not up until that point. No, no, that's not what I meant. Uh, in that period of time, because I was eleven, right? So I, I didn't discern very much what was like strokes or like the whole indie white stripes alternative rock era. I didn't absorb that at the moment. I think it was too heady, it was too complicated for me to understand. Because I liked so much, uh, because I liked metal so much at that time. Queens of the Stone Age kind of, you know, fit like a glove with my uh, with my taste. So I remember in, in 2002, really liking this record. Really, really loving, uh, really loving this record. So I remember it coming out and all that. Uh, it was really like a very big, it caused some ripples in my, in my, you know, in my mind. I really loved it. So, I think that along with Toxicity, they might be the the the, the older records from my from my life, like twenty years or so, of listening to it and you know enjoying it. I mean, if an album like this can survive like twenty years, you know, I think it's a good sign that the album is good and it is really good. 
I think Josh Holm is a is a really exemplary. Um, what's the mixture between sensitivity and and wanting to to rock? You know, or rock and roll can bring. It's not just one side. Not everything is just one side, right? But he really exemplifies the that idea of uh, how poetry can play into something, you know, in a rock song. Uh, ideas from from the seventies and from the sixties that some some of them got lost in the in the revolution that punk was. Of course, they have very you know interesting and and, and well thought out. Uh, punk bands and you know uh, television being the, the example that pops in my head like one example that is just you know it's a very artsy punk it's not even punk it's more it's post-punk but they were very contemporary to punk being being on the on the radar already so marky moon is 77 so Quite, they were they were there. They were early adopters, but they are very jazzy, very classy. I, I need to listen to television again. A lot of a lot of influences in this album here as well. Uh, the same goes with Bad Brains, and the same goes with the Kennedys. The same goes with uh, Pantera and Motorhead. You have all of those very heavy hitters from the eighties and and the seventies, but you also have the more indie type of stuff like television like the fall like elvis costello you know you can find a lot of those influences in his songwriting uh and of course elvis and and, and yeah all of those things um he's he's a really um really what's the word it's not prolific what's the word you know the word uh, idiosyncratic. He's very, he's very idiosyncratic in terms of what things that they that, that he brings to the to the to the mix there as his, you know. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. It's probably one of the people that I would like to meet. Maybe I would. Yeah, I would. Probably would. Probably wouldn't say anything to him. Him and Nick Cave, I think, just the guys there. You know, both of them are very complete rock and roll and they show that sensitivity and they don't you know men who are not afraid to cry right that's that's what i mean that's what i mean okay appreciate the listening as always uh hopefully that was of any use to you in spite of the you know the obvious difficulties there with the yeah with the speaking and all that all right hopefully that wasn't too painful Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.